Uh, good to see you guys. Usually missionaries come up and they like sing a song in a foreign language. I'm really thankful for the guys who made the video because I can't sing and my wife was not into that idea. Um, I'm Jake. I've, like Brian said, grew up on the Central Coast. was a part of Calvary Slow before I moved to Ukraine in 2000. I've been there since. And my wife, Anya, is from Kiev, Ukraine. We got married six years ago yesterday. And uh, we've got two little kids, Maya, who's five, and Lev, who's two. And we're expecting another little, little one in a couple months. Um, really glad to be here. We were here about a year ago, and I'm sure many of you were here then. We were talking about um, what has been going on in Ukraine. I would like to give you guys a brief update before we uh, study God's word on just kind of a, a handful of things that have transpired over the last year. It was a busy year. Um, the guys came out and made some videos for us, which, by the way, this video, uh, it kind of went viral in our city. Our city's 300,000 people. All the young people are on the internet, and they have their own version of Facebook. It's called Contact. And literally, I'm going into stores, and people are coming up to me saying, I saw you on the internet. I saw your movie. And it's really funny. It's like we're, you know, big-time movie stars. Um, <laughs> But it did, it did show me how effective uh, social networking is and the internet and video for communicating with the younger generation. We're hoping to use that more um, this year and yeah, down the road. We also, just to give you guys a little bit of an idea, our city, our city is really old. It's 1,300 years old. It's like five times as old as, <laughs> or like 13 times as old as San Luis Obispo. Um, it's really orthodox. There's, man, there's a lot of orthodox churches, and everybody there considers themselves orthodox, uh, which basically means they're kind of, um, they, they perceive anything that is not orthodox as a, as a cult, as a threat to their culture, a threat to their um, faith, and it's, um, yeah, we're, we're in the same boat as Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and kind of, uh, we're a cult. So anybody who comes to our church is coming and really um, paying a price socially to follow Christ because their relationships with their friends and their family, and their um, studies, and even in the workplace, they pay, pay for it. Um, but we're really excited because our church is made up of about 60 people, and I think only one person has a believing parent. So um, the average age is probably a lot like Calvary Slow, um, maybe 18 to, to 30. And we, we're working with people who have no biblical history, no, no church, um, nothing. They're, they're, they're brand new Christians. And it's, um, it's a joy to be able to teach them and get to know them and serve them and see them grow in their faith. And we're over, over this last year, our, our church started ministering really regularly in a tuberculosis hospital. You guys saw a little bit of that in the video. Um, it's a bunch of kids who live there. Most of them, um, all of them have TB. Some of them have AIDS or HIV. And they all come from broken families where their parents are alcoholics. And that, that's who gets TB in Ukraine. They're living in villages, just really messed up messed up lives, and it, 
our church uh, has a group of about four to five people who go in there regularly every week, spend time with the kids, uh, play games with the kids, sing songs, read, read the Bible to them. And we've re- remodeled their playground. We've changed a bunch of windows out. And we're hoping this year, actually this winter, to redo their, um, their bathrooms and their toilet room and their shower room and, and continually try to serve the, the most needy there's also a mental hospital that our church ministers in regularly to the, to the kids. They, they also are, a lot of them are mentally ill. Some of them aren't. They're just, they're just from orphanages, and they behave themselves poorly, so they get sent there. But uh, it's, it's exciting for me as a pastor to see, see people in our church really take ownership of those ministries and start ministering there. We baptized, I think, 12, 11 or 12 people this year, which... Um, to give you guys a little bit of perspective, if you took all the Christians in our city of 300,000, Calvary Slow is bigger than all of them. So the, the largest churches in the city have maybe 120, max 150 people. Um, so it's, it's a really unchurched uh, place. So to, to baptize 12 people for us, it was exciting. Um, we have a couple things that we'd like you guys to pray about. This summer, we're going to have a a ministry from, from the states called the Elisha Foundation come out. We're going to start ministering to the, the disabled in our city. Um, we have, Lord willing, two interns who are going to be occupational therapists or um, physical therapists, and a family that ministers to the parents of kids with special needs, which isn't happening on any level in our city. Uh, the disabled are rejected and hidden. It, it, it kind of went against the the Soviet utopia model that they, they were building. So, so they, they just they kept them out of sight. So these people are afraid to go out in public. Um, we had a lady in our church with cerebral palsy who the only time she ever left her house throughout the week was when we would pick her up and bring her to church. So we're really excited about the opportunity to serve the people in our city who are by far the, the most um, rejected and hurting the most. Um, it's, yeah, you guys can be praying for that. I, I, we've already seen three people from the disabled community get saved in our church through this family coming out just for a weekend and ministering to them. We, we also keep, keep in prayer. Um, we need the Lord to lead us so that we find a, a better place to meet in as a church. In the video, you probably didn't notice, but we're meeting in a museum, which is awesome. It's a neutral space in the center of the city, that people aren't afraid to come to, but it's uh, really cold in the winter. And in case you didn't know, it's not exactly the central coast in Ukraine in the wintertime, um, <laughs> even though it's been really cold. And we don't have any space for babies and moms, which are growing. So it's a bunch of young people in our church who are starting to have kids. So um, please be praying for that. In the video, you might have heard that we have a publishing ministry. It's called Inlumen Media. Um, Danny Foote, who's also a missionary from this church, and I work on that together. Our publishing ministry really started gaining a lot of traction this year. We, we printed five books just in the last three months, uh, which for us is a lot. And one of them was the Jesus Storybook Bible, which is a children's Bible. We printed 10,000 copies and have already sold 5,000 of them. Um, next, actually, no, this November 4th is Orphan, like National Orphan Sunday. So most churches in Ukraine talk about adoption. And we've 
put a project together where we're hoping to, to print 30,000 children's Bibles in Ukrainian because the orphanages are all um, in Ukrainian. It's the state language. So, so we're hoping to partner with a ministry that has 100 churches and 30 organizations. It's called Ukraine Without Orphans. Their goal is to minister to orphans. Um, we're hoping to, through their network and all of these believers already scattered across the whole entire country in 26 states, uh, print the Bible and equip them so that they can serve kids and share the gospel with kids. And if, if, you, if you guys have kids or you're planning on having kids, I highly recommend this Bible. It's a great Bible. It's all about Jesus and him is the, the one who's come to rescue us. Um, Another project we have going on that you guys could keep in prayer is we're hoping to get digital printing equipment so that we can print on demand. Uh, instead of doing large print runs and spending a bunch of money storing books, we want to be able to print small runs, print three to four times as many books, transition into a more sustainable model because no publishers in r the Russian language are self-sustained as well as provide jobs and, um, yeah, create more resources. So that's a big prayer need. And... Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Calvary Slow, for supporting us. This is our home church. Last time we were here, we got to connect with so many people and had so many meals and made friends, and it, it was just a great time. We're glad to be back. We're going to be here for about a month. We're going to be traveling on a lot of the weekends, but we're going to be based out of Avila. So during the week, we'll be a little bit be available quite a bit to uh, connect if any of you guys are interested. If you're wondering why my phone number is on there, that's a phone number I got just for the next month. And there's like 300 of you in here right now, right? And you all walk out that door, and there's no way people are going to stop and put their email address down if they want to get an email, uh, an update on what we're doing. It just doesn't happen. So if you want to write our email address down or just text me your, your email address, um, we can put you on a list. We, we, we will not send a ton of emails to you. Uh, I think last year we only sent two newsletters out, but we try to, try to make them pretty informative and broad. So, yeah, we would love for you guys to be praying for us and have a connection. So thank you again. I, uh, I'll be around after the service if you guys have questions about Ukraine, if you're interested in missions, so on and so forth. Let's pray, and we can start studying God's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word is um, your word is true. Your word is pure. Your word is right, and it um, it opens our eyes and and you speak to us through it, Lord. We, we thank you that you want to reveal yourself. You want to show yourself to us. Thank you, Lord, that we know you, and that you love us. We thank you that you have not left us in the dark, Lord, but that you've given us a life. You've given us your son. You've given us your spirit, and you've given us your word to teach us and transform us. We pray, Jesus, that your grace would be here in, in a way that uh, sanctifies our thinking. We want our thoughts to conform to yours. We want our, our feelings and our desires to, to conform to your word. And we pray right now that you would uh, shape the way we think and that you would renew our minds. And Father, we, we just pray that your word would be powerful. 
and that we would submit to it, that we would honor you here. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to try to... <laughs> I originally told Brian I wanted to go really broad and show you guys how all of Scripture just breathes mission. And I realized that's really, really ambitious. And I've already talked for 10 minutes, and it's not going to happen. Like, you need a lot more than just 35 minutes for that. And I'm already going to... I already went along last time, so I got to even shorten it this time. So what, what I'm going to try to do is drive home one, one concept, one thought that I think is really important that we all know but we take for granted, and it doesn't really... Um, it doesn't really uh, affect us every day, but I think God would want it to. And that idea is that God has sent us, that he has sent us on mission. And for, for a lot of us, we, um, when we think of the Christian life, we think of different things. Like, I, I hope when you think Christianity or Christian living or my life, you know, if it was, a, if it was a, a word map and there was a circle in the middle with you or you would have God and Jesus and, uh, you know, the Bible and redemption and grace and salvation kind of as the big concepts that you first think about. Um, you know, for example, if somebody, it, I'm from Napomo, right? Um, it's 30 minutes south of here. It's a small town. When I was growing up, there were 6,000 people there with one stoplight. And when I think Napomo, my, my family's been in Napomo for generations. The, one of the first things I think of are the Napomo foothills because my house was right in front of them and I looked at them growing up my whole life. Another thing I think of is wonderful weather, right? San Luis has great weather, but San Luis wasn't on double jeopardy like Napomo was when they asked what city in the United States has the most consistent weather at 70 degrees, right? Napomo. Um, another thing I think about when I think of Napomo is family. My family's from there. And another thing is Jocko's Steakhouse. Let me tell you why. Because Jocko is my great-grandpa, and I grew up going there regularly. Um, when I was 11 years old, my second cousin who was running the, the barbecue pit would give me odd jobs around raking leaves, and he would pay me with fries and Shirley Temples. And, um, when, when I think Napomo... It's, it's home. I love it, right? When my wife, who's from Kiev, four and a half million people, big, tall buildings. Her, her, the, the building she grew up in, her home, is in an apartment building that has like 20-something floors. Boom. There's, her one building has more people than Napomo. Like, it, it, literally. It's really long. Um, and I'm not kidding, I'm not exaggerating. There's like 10,000 people in this one apartment complex. Um, when she thinks Napomo, she doesn't have the same feeling that I have, right? She thinks, um, the village. <laughs> she thinks, um, podunk village. She thinks cows. She thinks more cows than people. She thinks, um, no sidewalks. She thinks you can't walk anywhere in Napomo. Yeah, like she has different, she likes Napomo. She likes the weather. <laughs> um, but we all have words or concepts. If you think San Luis, you have your own associations with San Luis. And the Christian life has one concept that 
is often kind of set aside, and it's the concept of mission or being sent. And I'm not talking about cross-cultural missions. I'm not talking about being a missionary and moving away and learning another language. I'm talking about something that applies to every Christian for all time, and it's mission. But if you look in your Bible, you won't find that terminology, right? It's not like Jesus says, my mission for you is. If you, if you look for the word mission, you'll only find it above maps that say Paul's missionary journey or, um, you know, explanations of what's happening in the book of Acts. Because the word mission wasn't even a word that the church used uh, until the Reformation, when the Catholics developed this concept of mission to counter the Reformation. And throughout church history, the idea of mission has always been Mission San Luis Obispo, right? It's, a, it's, it's an outpost, excuse me, it's an outpost um, where it, it's kind of like a church. It's sponsored by uh, a, a rich church, and it's for bringing people into the church. It's expanding your denomination. Or mission is the charity event that a church puts on for the people who are hungry who need to be fed. Or mission is a mission trip where we go and we evangelize. Um, mission isn't in the Bible, but the concept is because the word comes from missio, which means to be sent. And if you look in the Bible, if, if we use the, the biblical terminology, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Sent was sent. I'm sending you. I was sent. So this concept that we call mission, which I think is fine. I think it's fine to use that term. I think it's fine to use the term missionary or missional, which for some people sounds kind of strange because it's a little new and a little foreign, but really it's just an adjective for mission. It's that relating to missional living, missional church, missionary life. It's mission is important in influencing the direction um, of my life, for example. So let's look at what the Bible says about being sent. I think for Jesus, he was sent by the Father. And his earthly life, if you read the Gospels, was largely defined by the fact that he was sent. And in being sent, he was sent for a purpose. Um, you, You can see him talk about it everywhere. He said in John 17, verse 18, As you send me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. He said also in chapter 20, verse 21, So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. So we see Christ is sent, the Father sent him, and as the Father sent him, he is sending us. So there's a a direct connection. There's a, a relationship between his sending and our sending. Our sending is a continuation of His. So the life of Christ and our lives are both lives that are sent. And you know, if we, if we look at Jesus, I don't want us to look at Jesus as just an example, even though He is. I, I hope you guys realize He is sending us as our, as our Lord, as our, as our Savior, as the one who commissions us. So we need to look at his life to understand what, what is this mission he has for me. Christ is furthering his mission through us. <coughs> Excuse me. And it, 
I want to read a handful of verses. Before I do, I'll just say, um, to define the mission, it, it's really hard to define in one statement or one word. If you read the Bible, it, it's described in various ways. Um, if, if you think of the Bible as a story, and the, the story beginning with creation, and then fall, and then the story of redemption and ending in restoration, the mission is redemption into restoration, glorification. The mission is everything that has to do with that. It's Jesus coming and teaching truth. It's Jesus coming and healing. It's Jesus coming and repairing relationships between humans and repairing mainly the, the relationship between humans and his Father. It's restoring mankind. It's restoring creation. All of creation is waiting for the, the restoration, the redemption that the, that the sons of God have. I mean, everything, the whole created cosmos is going to be redeemed and restored. And Christ, his mission is all about redemption. He came not to, serve, not to be served, but to serve. He came to give his life as a ransom, to rescue. In Acts chapter 4, it says that he has been seated until the time of, until the restoration of all things. So there's this process of restoration that, that he began and it is going on and we enter into it. And again, mainly the restoration of man and God. He came, the, the just died for the unjust that we would find God. So if I asked an Olympic athlete, like, well, what is it? What does it mean to, to represent your, your, your country and compete in the Olympics? You'd get many different answers, right, for different athletes. Um, but if I asked them, what does it feel like to be sent? That, that's a feeling that's meant to be felt, not something that's necessarily meant to be articulated. It's, it's direction. It's purpose. It's meaning. It's where I am going. It's, I'm, I'm moved by this. It's important to me. So let's look at a handful of verses, and we'll see kind of the relationship between Christ being sent and how it, how it worked out in his life. In John chapter 4, it says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. His food. What is food? Um, food is what you need to survive, right? Without food, you die. Food is what we need for life, for health. It's, it's what we need to, to live. And not only, for a lot of you foodies, food is what you enjoy. It's what you think about. It's what you do when you get together with friends. It's, it's part of your life that is just a happy part of your life, as well as a necessary part of your life. Last night, Anya and I celebrated our sixth anniversary. And we went to an Italian place right next to the Fremont called Bona... Yeah, that's what it's called. Um, my Italian is pretty poor. But that Italian food is not. It is great. And we really enjoyed being there together, and we really enjoyed the food. It's, it, we, we took pleasure in food and 
chose company. And I think what Christ is saying here is, look at what I'm all about, what I love, what I need, what makes me tick, what I enjoy is accomplishing God's work and doing what he wants. It's, he saw his life as a life that was sent to fulfill God's purposes for him. That was what he was all about. That was the big banner that he was waving. Mission, being sent, God's will for me. When, I, um, when we had our second kid, we didn't have a TV, and my in-laws thought it was just tragic that we didn't have a TV. And we had a really junky TV that I gave away because it was just, it was like 1980 mall. Um, we just watched stuff on computers. But, but my in-laws insisted that we get a TV, so we got a TV. And it was, a, it was a HD TV, and I had never had an HD TV or even watched an HD TV. So this is quite a few years ago. Like two, you probably thinking, man, you're in Ukraine. That's like Timbuktu. You only watched HD two years ago. Um, but I downloaded a movie that I found on, online, um, and it was an HD film about snowboarding. It was called That's It, That's All. It's a great film. It was about this guy named Travis Rice, mainly, who's one, one of the best snowboarders out there. And it, it followed his life, and he was talking about snowboarding and what it meant to him. And at the end, he's just like, it's my life which means it's what he lives for. It's what he loves. It's what he thinks about. It's what he spends his money on. It's who he is. If you said, who is Travis Rice? He would say, I'm a snowboarder, right? It, it's everything to him. And Christ is saying, look, it's, 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 it's why I'm here, because God has sent me. God has a mission for me, a purpose for me. A few other verses. In John chapter 5, he said, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my will, but the will of him who sent me. In chapter 6, verse 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. So the one who sends him determines what he does, what he wants. That means his will, his will is conformed to the sender's will. So, so what he likes, what he desires um, his actions are all flowing from his mission, his being sent by the Father. So to be sent means you're under authority, means you're under someone's authority. And we're sent by Christ. He is our authority that, that has authority over our will, over our desires, and over our actions. Verse, in chapter 7, verse 29, it says, I know him for I come from him, and he sent me. And he who sent me is with me, and he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. So here we see that the, the context of his mission, like what, where it came from, was a relationship with the Father, was, was knowing the Father, was the presence of the Father in his life. What does that mean? It means that he was sent within a relationship, not apart from a relationship. It wasn't work. It wasn't a task. It wasn't, I got to do it. It was, I, I know my father, I love my father, and I'm going on mission because of this relationship. Christ is so close with God the Father that we believe in the Trinity, that, that Jesus is one with the Father, and in their unity, in, in their oneness, the Holy Spirit 
is generated by both of them, right? That's, that's what we believe as Orthodox Christians. Um, the Trinity, it's a big, important doctrine. And out of the Trinity, out of this Trinitarian perfect fellowship and love and overflow comes mission. It's not disconnected from a relationship with the Father. It flows from that. In chapter 9, verse 4, it says, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Christ understood that he was sent, came out of a relationship. He was under authority. He understood that it was what he needed. It was his food. And he understood that his mission was temporal. It was for a limited time. It was urgent and it was immediate. He wasn't putting it aside. He knew that time wasn't going to, time is linear. It's not circular. It's not recovered later on. He understood that his mission was for now. In John 12, verses 44, it says, And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. His being sent meant he reflected the sender. That's why when the disciples asked, show us the Father, he said, how long have you been with me? And you don't understand. You see me, you've seen the Father. He reflected the Father perfectly in his glory. He, if you saw the glory of the Son, you understood the glory of the Father. So Christ, was a, he was a reflection. He was a window. He came to show God, to reveal God, to bring us to God, and to expand our understanding of what God is like. So his mission, his sending for a period of time that was so important that it shaped all of his life was all about God. It wasn't necessarily about the people he was sent to. It was mainly about God. A few other verses. John 12, verse 49, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. So here we see Christ being sent and understanding he was sent to communicate a message, and that message came from the Father, and that message was authoritative. It was God's word. So he was sent to herald or proclaim or preach. That's what the good news is. It's what he came to proclaim and do. Just like an ambassador who represents the government, who speaks with authority, the entire authority of that government, in the same way Christ came to communicate, and he didn't speak on his own. What he wanted to, he, he listened and spoke what the Father wanted him to speak. In chapter 13, verse 20, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I sin receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. It's more clear here than I think anywhere, the relationship between the Father sending the Son and the Son sending us. If you receive the one that the Son sends, his disciples, believers in Jesus, you receive Jesus. If you receive Jesus, you receive the Father. So there's this this connection between his being sent by the Father and our being sent by, by him. You can't separate 
the mission of Christ from our lives and our mission. They're, they're inseparable. We are an extension of it. If you, two last verses. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. We already read that. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. The first verse was, was from Jesus' his, his last prayer before he was crucified, the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. It's like his last time with the disciples and his prayer to God before his death was this. I'm, saying, I'm not taking them out of the world. They're not supposed to live in isolation in their Christian subculture. They're, they're sent on mission into the world. And his last words before he ascended were, I'm sending you. So if, for example, if Brian was going to retire and he had one last sermon, I would hope you would all come, right, to hear what, it, what is the last thing he wants to, to give us, to tell us. What, what is on his heart? What is at the core of his message to us? I want to know. And I'm sure he would think long and hard, what, what can I leave them with? Well, this is what Christ left us with. He has all authority in heaven and earth, and he is sending us. So our self-understanding and our identity should be shaped by and wrapped up in his mission for us. If you look at the New Testament or the Old Testament, you'll see, or the New Testament, you'll see that the call to discipleship is a call to being sent. And again, I'm not talking about cross-cultural missions. I'm talking about all of you. You see that the reason that Christ gave the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, the relationship that you have with the Holy Spirit in such measure that he fills you was given for mission. Acts chapter 1, right? We know that Christ will not return until this mission is accomplished and the gospel is heard in every nation. So the timeline of all of humanity and the return of the king to establish his kingdom hinges off of the accomplishment of this mission that he has sent us on, that we get to be a part of. That's fascinating. That shows us how big of a deal being sent is. If you look in the Old Testament, you could see life after life of men being sent. Even Israel was sent. Abraham was sent to be a blessing. Joseph was sent to, to rescue um, David was sent to care for God's people. Nehemiah was sent to rebuild the city for God's people. I mean, you just sent, sent, sent. It was, it's a big part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I just want to apply this a little bit to us here. Firstly, I want to say you're not mainly sent. You're a child of God if you're a believer in Jesus. That's, that's the core of how we need to understand ourselves. We're children of God. We are sons and we are daughters. He loves us. And he has brought us into his family through adoption. And that status is secure. He accepts us. He sees us as righteous because of the righteousness of his son. He rejoices over us, the Bible says, as he rejoices over his son. So we are children. That's who we are. We have a Father who cares for us. And it's all about what Jesus did, not what we do. It's all about the message of the cross, not the message of my actions. It all comes from that. But out of that, out of the gospel, 
Just the nature of the gospel is a message about what Jesus has done that transforms lives and nations. It just implies being sent on mission. It flows from it. It flows from this relationship. Just like with Christ, it, flew, it flowed from oneness with the Father. So today, what, what I believe the Lord would want you guys to know is that he is sending you. If you're a believer in Jesus, it doesn't matter where you're at in your life. It doesn't matter if you're a student. It doesn't matter if you're a parent. It doesn't matter if you're a kid. It doesn't matter if you're a grandparent. God is sending you. You were sent. That's how you need to view your life. It's a life that has a purpose and a mission from God. Ephesians says that he created us. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he has prepared. That means all of you have a specific, um, you're created specifically for specific deeds that God wants you to do. He says he wants to purify people for, for himself who are zealous for good deeds, not to justify themselves, but because they're justified. It's, it's this being sent because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Your food, your food, that which will give you ultimate fulfillment in life has to do with Jesus and his kingdom and being sent. Not how smart you are or how good looking you are or how much money you've made or how great your business is or how wonderful people, how, how, how people say wonderful things about you or your health or your kids or your parents, which are all wonderful things that are meant to be part of the mission, not replace the mission. Kids are part of it. Marriage is part of it. Your education is part of it doesn't hijack it and, and take over so that there is no mission. It's, it's for a purpose. You have an authority over your life, all of you. Jesus Christ has sent you. He has all authority. There's no greater authority. There's no one greater than him, above him, stronger than him. He sends you as your Lord. That's what it means to call him Lord. Is that he's the boss. He owns me. He purchased me. He created me. He has all rights over my life. That's what it means to, to submit, to repent, to say, Christ, you are God, and you are my Lord. And I've lived my life apart from acknowledging you. I don't want to. I'm a, I'm a sinner. And I need forgiveness for that, for rejecting the ultimate reality that determines everything. Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus is above all names and every knee will bow. Christ is Lord. And that has everything to do with the fact that you're sent and everything to do with the fact that you're here today and God has a purpose for you, no matter where you're at. Again, living on mission comes from knowing him and being in an intimate personal relationship with him. If you try to do it apart from that, it will become an idol and you will have a works-based relationship where you're trying to earn it. You're trying to prove yourself. You're trying to, uh, to, to earn God's approval. It comes from loving him and knowing him and rejoicing in him.
and receiving him, embracing him, worshiping him. You all in this room were predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ, which means you're made to show forth God's glory. You're made to enter into glory, partake of the divine nature. That's what the Bible says. You're made to be so near to God that you become like him, that your face shines like Moses in the Old Testament. It says we're being transformed into his image as we see him. God wants to, to reveal himself through you. And you have a message that changes lives. It's in a powerful message. It's the gospel. And in closing, um, Some of you are probably thinking, oh, I guess I need to go somewhere. And you don't need to go anywhere. That's the whole thing. You don't need to go anywhere. A lot of you are students. You're sent as a student. You're, you're, you're sent today. Where you study, who you live with, the dormitory you're at, the, uh, the classes you're in, what you're learning is to be for God's glory and done for him. It's all related to him and his mission. You're, you're a student on mission. You're here for a time, and you will no longer be a student one day. Some of you are parents. Your kids are, are gifts from God, not for you to enjoy, but for you to steward for his kingdom and his purposes. You get to enjoy him too. But ultimately, kids are part of the mission. A lot of you guys are probably single and you're thinking about marriage. I'd like to say that before you think of how good looking is this person, what, uh, what are their, what kind of music do they listen to? Um, do, we, do we dress the same? And do we like the same TV shows? Are they hip, right? Um, why don't you ask yourselves questions like, what is the driving influence in this person's life? What do they care about? Where are they going? And in 15 years, what will happen if I marry this person? God wants to bring people together so that they can more effectively live on mission. Not, not live for each other. Just live for Jesus. And you enjoy each other in the process. Paul, the Apostle Paul didn't get married. He says he, he could have, but he chose not to for the sake of his mission. Hey, I'm just saying, it's important. It's important, and you need to consider that in marriage, in who you're going to marry. On a, a little side note, finances are part of the mission. When Jesus says he owns us, that means he owns our finances, right? It means... It means what we do with our money shows what we worship and what we're about, right? Just like Travis Rice spends his money to snowboard. Um, if you're on mission, you'll spend your money for the mission because it's important to you. And last week, there was a bake sale, and I'm just going to give this as an example. There's a bake sale where they're selling cupcakes or something like that for the junior high to go on a retreat, and I didn't see the guy I don't know who he is, so if that's you, sorry. Um, he walked by and somebody said, you want to buy a cupcake? He's like, I'm a student. Let me translate that. I don't, I don't give. 
because I'm a student, right? And a lot of you probably think that way. You think, I'm a student. Um, I, I'm on mission. Hey, I'm on mission. I'm following Jesus, and I am under his authority except for my wallet because I can't give because I'm a student. I got loans or it's somebody's giving me the money. Here, here, all I want to say is this. How can you be obedient to God's word when you, you blow money left and right on things that you don't need and you make up excuses not to give anything to, to the mission? And I'm not just saying giving to church, even though traditionally less than 3% of people who go to church give in the United States. And this is a mission center where people come to hear the gospel and get transformed to live on mission. You guys need to give. It's, it's, it's really important that you understand that everything you have is from God. And when he says, give me 10%, he's being really generous when he leaves us with 90, right? It, it's, it's just a whole different way of looking at it. And figure something out. That's what I want to say. Figure something out so that you can honor Christ joyfully living on mission contributing. And the church, the church is, is, it's, oh, how do I say this? You guys, God wants to use you in the church. If you're a believer and this is your church, he wants to use you. Many of you are already serving and you understand that there's a joy in serving. He wants you to invest into people's lives inside and outside the church. He wants you to serve one another. I want you to, to have these questions. If you're sent, this is what you ask. What can I do? How can I help? What are the needs? You know how, how huge of a blessing it is for people who, who, who are pastors to hear somebody come say, how can I help you, bro? Like, what, what do you need? Is there something that you're doing that you don't need to be doing that I could be doing? Right? Is your time on mission? Or is it just Sunday? Jesus is calling you to, to give, to invest, to live on mission in the church with your finances, with your family, with your kids, with your spouse, with your marriage, with your education, with your vocation. How many hours a day do people spend working? Eight minimum, right? That's half of your waking life. You think it's not about mission? You think your job is lame and there's nothing spiritual about it? Well, then you're missing the point that God has. He's sent you there. He has a purpose for you to work hard for him, even if nobody sees, so that he sees. And he rewards you. And there are people around you. I mean, that, that, that's what he created Adam for, to work, to create to cultivate, right? Your job is part of your mission. Everything, everything has to do with you being sent. Your relationships, your friendships, it's all about how can I, how can I be used by God and be full, be filled and rejoice, be, be happy, really, really, and it's not contingent on what I look like or what I have or what people think of me. It's, it's in being used by him for his purposes of redemption, 
in healing and restoration. In San Luis Obispo, Cal Poly, wherever you are. So I'm going to pray. We're going we're gonna to respond in worship, and we're going to take communion. It's an opportunity for you to, um, to worship, to thank Jesus, to remember what he has done. And my prayer for you guys is that when, when you think about your life and you think about the direction of your life and the, the path that your life is on, you'll recognize that. You're sent. You're sent by Jesus. You're sent. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you that he he was sent to rescue us. We thank you that he, of his own accord, gave up his life for us. We thank you for his, for his substitutionary atonement. We thank you that he lived a perfect life on our behalf and he died a gruesome death on our behalf. We thank you, Lord, that in this you show us that you love us. In this you show us that you care for us. And we want to remember that right now. We want to worship you for for Jesus. We want to thank you for Jesus. And we want to recognize that you are our Lord. And you have all rights over our life. There's nothing that you do not own. There's nothing that you do not create. We are yours. We live for you. We were created for your glory. Father, we want to recognize, we want to realize, we want to feel the weight of the fact that you not only love us and not only redeemed us, but you're sending us. And you have purposes for every person in this room that have been predetermined before time began. Pray, Lord, that you would be honored and pleased and magnified and exalted through us. And again, we just thank you for Jesus, in whom we live and breathe, who is our life, who is everything, who is the one who feels all in all. May he be glorified now, Jesus. Thank you.